as we gather for worship this morning, let's begin by taking two or three deep breaths to center and to settle ourselves in this place and in this space. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Good morning. Would you join me in our call to worship? And yes, the youth did shave my head as promised. We'll have an update on the Facebook page uh, sometime this week. Would you join me in our call to worship? Called to praise God, we gather together in worship. Called to grow with God, we seek God's nurturing presence. Called to serve God, we offer the fruit of our lives. We do welcome you to this time of worship, wherever you are and whenever you are viewing it. If you're someone who relies on these virtual offerings, you should know that we've just acquired equipment that will eventually allow us to live stream the services in better quality that are happening here so that you can be more connected to your fellow church members. Don't worry if you're someone who views that service at another time, the videos will still be available afterwards. And now as we continue to enter worship, let's join our voices in our community prayer. Let us pray. Creator God, maker of all that is beautiful, we praise you for your presence and purpose that infuses all of creation. Thank you for blessing us with the seeds of your love, justice, and peace. Teach and inspire us to sow those seeds in our communities so that all may share in creation's abundance. When we believe that what we have is only ours, remind us that all we have is yours. Help us to be generous, just as we have been recipients of the generosity of others. Amen. And we pray now in quiet. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. In Christ, there is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Know that we've been forgiven. Know that we have been set free and be at peace. I invite you now to share your joys and concerns in the chat function if that's available to you wherever you're watching this. Otherwise, simply enter into a time of prayer. We know that if you sit in gratitude for just a, a few seconds even, that actually changes you and opens you up in new ways. So let us begin by naming or simply calling to our mind or our heart that for which we are grateful.
We also know that there is an unburdening that happens when we share that which weighs us down, whether regret or worry or fear. Let us now release those things in time of having now been grounded and unburdened. We come to you in prayer, O God, seeking not only blessing, but the ability and opportunity to be blessing to those around. Help us to recognize your gracious touch in all we see and to nurture the sacred that is in all things. We offer all our prayers today, indeed every day, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
you've been in our Sacred Stories room, perhaps you're familiar with this story. It's of Noah's Ark and how when God decided that we needed a new start, God was sure to bring all the animals along. And so two by two, they made their way. Need a good ramp in order to get to the ark. Made their way to the ark, whether walking or crawling, whatever the case may be. I know in Sunday school you've been talking about creation, about nature, about the amazing and amazingly diverse things God has made and is making still. Today you'll be talking a little bit about the diversity of the animals, and I'm reminded just how wondrous it is that they all work together to create a balanced and healthy system. Oh yes, nature is changing, changing all the time, but when nature is well, she is in good balance. Do you know how animals often work together? Perhaps you know how a clownfish hides in a sea anemone and is kept safe by the stingers of that anemone, and yet also brings in food that benefits the anemone. They work together. Maybe you've heard that before, but a little bit closer to home, although that's close to home as well. Did you know how the redwood trees and the salmon need each other? and how they work together? Well, it may be no surprise to you that salmon like cool streams, and how would a redwood help with cool streams? Well, those great big branches provide lots of shade, which keeps the water cooler and good for the salmon. Also, all those trees along the banks make sure that the water that flows into the creeks and rivers is clean. But did you know that the salmon also help the trees? Oh yes, when animals come and eat the salmon or take them out, a bear perhaps, they leave part of that fish behind or they later uh, expel the fish. And those nutrients from the fish can be traced all the way into those salmon, into those redwood trees. Isn't that amazing? how it all kind of fits together in a way that benefits the whole. Well, you'll learn more about this in Sunday school, but I encourage you this week to get outside and spend some time in nature and just wonder. Go now in peace, go now in peace, May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 17, please listen to what the Spirit may be saying to us. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I will set it out. 
I will break off a tender one from the topmost of its young twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel I will plant it, in order that it may produce bows and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Under it every kind of bird will live, in the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree, I make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will accomplish it. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 30 to 32. Continue to listen for how the Spirit is speaking to you through these words. Jesus also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Now, Rob and I both love to talk about our experiences at church camp during the summers of our childhood. My church camp was Camp Kaz up in Casadero. Here's a picture of the sign that would greet campers as they arrived. Now, each day at Camp Kaz began with some Bible study and some small group discussion, and each day ended with a worship service. Here is where we worshiped. It's called Vespers Point. And the worship service consisted of a lot of different elements, as worship does, but my favorite part, surprise, surprise, was the music. At worship, we would sing all of the old favorite camp songs year after year after year. In fact, I don't think Camp Kaz actually got any new musical repertoire after about 1970. But why? When what you have works so well, why change it? Now, one song that was one of my favorites growing up was a song called Pass It On. Now, this is a classic that was written in 1969. So we campers, we would put our arms around each other. We would start swaying to the music and then belt out the words to what is admittedly a slightly cheesy song, but we loved it. It was tradition. You could not go to a week of Camp Kaz and not sing Pass It On at least three times. So I want to share a verse of this song with you today. Now, if you are a child of church camp and this song is familiar to you, please join in. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. 
That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you spread God's love to everyone. You want to pass it on. Oh, the memories. Camp Kaz. Now, I often think of this song when I hear the story of the mustard seed, right? It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Or as Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds, yet grows up to become the greatest of all the shrubs. Now, I will admit, I much prefer Jesus' metaphor at this time of year. Fire metaphors really make me a little nervous. But the point is the same with each metaphor, right? The possibility that something very small can grow into something very large. You know, I often hear the mustard seed story explained in terms of our own faith. You know, we need only a tiny bit of faith for God to do something grand. You know, this stole I'm wearing today actually has a mustard seed sewn into it. I have no idea where. I can't find it. It's too small. But the stole came with this card. And the card explains the seed is to remind us that our faith is like a mustard seed. It begins very small and grows throughout our lives. Now the card then quotes a different mustard seed story that's found in Matthew's gospel. It's one where Jesus talks about nothing being impossible for those who have faith even the size of a mustard seed. Jesus obviously liked his mustard seed stories. Now, in the parable that we heard from Mark's gospel this morning, Jesus is not actually talking about our own personal lives of faith this time. He instead is using this parable to talk about the kingdom of God. You know, it is not our faith that is being compared to a mustard seed in this story. This time, the kingdom of God is like the mustard seed. So, though something small does become something big in this story, I don't think that is the main point of this passage. I think the most important part comes next. Once the seed grows into this great shrub, it puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Or as the song reminds us, once that fire gets going, soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. Now the prophet Ezekiel, from whom we also heard this morning, shares a similar vision. Ezekiel shares that God will plant a sprig that will grow into a noble cedar. And under this noble cedar, every kind of bird will live. 
In the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. I love the inclusivity of Ezekiel's prophecy. Every kind of bird, every kind of winged creature will be welcome. No one will be excluded. The kingdom of God is a place that provides comfort and rest and welcome for all. So what does this kingdom of God look like today? Well, in her book called Take This Bread, Sarah Miles describes the first time she ever participated in communion, and it was as an adult. She was raised in a secular home as an atheist, so church had never been a part of her life. But then in the early 90s, two of her best friends died from AIDS, followed shortly by her dad's death from lymphoma. And in the midst of her grief and her sorrow, one day Miles found herself rather unexpectedly, she says, at a worship service at St. Gregory's Episcopal Church in San Francisco. Now she gathered with the other worshipers around the communion table where she says, something outrageous and terrifying happened. Jesus happened to me. She writes, I couldn't reconcile the experience with anything I knew or had been told, but neither could I go away. It was a sensation as urgent as physical hunger, pulling me back to the table through my fear and my confusion. In the midst of her sorrow and her grief, Miles had found a place of comfort and rest and welcome. Now that community, they didn't care that she had absolutely no experience with church. They didn't care that she didn't know a thing about Jesus and had a thousand questions. No, there she found her mustard shrub. She found it in what she describes as the most ordinary yet subversive practice, a dinner table where everyone is welcome, where the despised and outcast are honored. Now the story might end there, but not Miles' story. She explains, my first questioning year at church ended with a question whose urgency would propel me into work I'd never imagined. The question was, now that you've taken the bread, what are you going to do? Slowly but surely, she developed a vision for a food pantry at St. Gregory. She wrote a letter to the congregation explaining this, and in the letter she shared, the first time I came to the table at St. Gregory's, I was a hungry stranger. Each week since then, I've shown up undeserving and needy, and each week someone's hands have broken the bread and brought me into communion. Because of how I've been welcomed and fed, I see starting a food pantry at the church not as an act of outreach, but one of gratitude. To feed others means acknowledging our own hunger 
and at the same time acknowledging the amazing abundance we're fed with by God. It wasn't easy. She faced plenty of obstacles and naysayers, but Miles did begin a food pantry at St. Gregory's, where the poor, elderly, sick, homeless, and marginalized from the community continue to be served to this day each week. Here's a line of people waiting. And they are served from the very table where Sarah took her first communion. No strings attached, no questions asked. Hundreds gather around that communion table, a place of comfort and welcome to fill their grocery bags with staples each and every week. Now, as time went by, an interesting thing happened. Many of the visitors who came to get groceries then became volunteers. Miles writes, they were more often than not misfits, jobless or homeless or a little crazy or just a little poor or really poor. They'd stand in line week after week. Then one day they'd ask if we need a hand and the next week they'd show up early. The next week they'd be redesigning our systems, explaining to me how things could work better. Little by little, these new volunteers were beginning to run the pantry. Those who had received comfort and welcome began to offer comfort and welcome. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you want to pass it on. Sarah Miles did not keep her transformative experience of God to herself. She shared it with others. The mustard seed and the noble cedar did not grow simply for the sake of growing. They grew so that other living beings might have a place to call home. Each received blessing and then became blessing. Now, I think it's easy to hear Sarah's story and think that she did this because she is an amazing human being. And she is. She is an amazing human being, but no more amazing than any of us. Each of us is very capable of being a blessing for another, of offering comfort, rest, welcome to those who need it most. Now, it may be helpful here to return to the parable and to remember what a mustard shrub actually is. It's a weed. Yes, Ezekiel has God planting a noble cedar. But in Jesus' story, the kingdom of God is like a weed, a mustard shrub that just grows and grows everywhere and really is not wanted in many landscapes. It's nothing special. It's nothing extraordinary. Just a shrub using the gifts of its branches to provide for another. Now, Lutheran pastor Nadia Bolz Weber worked for a few years as a stand-up comic, of all things, before she became a pastor. And she says, each of us preachers faces 
different challenges in writing sermons. Mine is to cut out most of the jokes from my manuscript before I preach. But it's hard because I find the Bible so darn funny, especially parables. That day in Palestine thousands of years ago, I bet there were two or three people who inadvertently laughed out loud at Jesus' mustard seed parable. I mean, think about it, right? The mustard seed grows up to be the greatest of all shrubs, says Jesus. Now, that's like saying the mustard seed grows up to be the most beautiful of all weeds or the most delightful of all kudzu. There is nothing great about a mustard shrub. That's hilarious, Jesus. But now he has our attention. Jesus purposefully uses the most ordinary example possible to make his point. Because this very ordinary shrub shows up, grows up, and offers extravagant welcome to those who need it. That is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is where we and all of our ordinariness show up for God, for each other, for ourselves, grow up in our faith, and pass it on. Amen. A word of thanks as we head into a few announcements. Thank you for your ongoing contributions to the church in your time, in your talent, and in your treasure. All these things together work together to build up this community of faith. You'll see here various ways in which you can offer financial gifts to the church. And I'm glad to report that folks have been working very hard to develop some metrics, uh, a dashboard, if you will, where they can better keep you informed about the financial standing of the church. So look forward to new ways of staying better informed about that important aspect of our work. As always, keep in touch, keep reading your e-news in your email inbox, checking out the bulletin as well for various opportunities to get more deeply involved. The website too is always being updated. There are many ways to deepen your faith here and to deepen your service. I'll highlight just one or two. There are some small group picnics coming up. Uh, this is in lieu of the dinners we often have, a little bit safer environment. We have the weather, let's take advantage of it. So see the Sign Up Genius link on the webpage if you would like to sign up for a picnic where you can be with your church friends. If you're having trouble accessing that, no problem, just be in touch with us. And of course, there are so many ways in which you can donate and give to those who are in need, whether it's on Tuesdays with food or diapers or Wednesdays with an additional food program. Uh, talk to one of us if you need to learn more. And finally, remember that we are worshiping again in person more and more fully as the, the weeks progress. We're now singing, though masked. We had communion for the first time in person last week. So more and more things are happening. More groups are coming and meeting in the church and following safety protocols in doing so. So if you would feel ready for that, we'd love to have you back. We'd also love to have you share the word so that others know 
that we're coming together again and again, more and more with each passing week. And with that, let us join together in our closing hymn. Ready? Sorry. One, two, three, roll. As we come to the end of our service, I want to acknowledge that it has been difficult for many of you to make the move from online worship to returning to the sanctuary for worship. And that's due to a variety of factors. Uh, some of you just still don't feel quite comfortable inside in crowds, which is fine. We don't want you to do anything that is uncomfortable for you. But I know many others have just kind of gotten into a habit of rolling out of bed, watching worship in your PJs or maybe your sweatpants and being comfortable lazing around on the couch while you join us for worship, which is also fine. But we do miss you here in the sanctuary. And so our session invites you on June 27th to a Come Casual Sunday here at Westminster. You are invited to come to the sanctuary for our 10 o'clock worship in your PJs, in your sweatpants, in your yoga pants, whatever is most comfortable for you. But know that you are missed here in the sanctuary and we look forward to the time when we really are back together in person for worship. And with that, receive the benediction. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and give you peace always. Amen.